When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Oh yeah, when she joins the Up Britain newsletter, and instantly no one here gets fired for shagging the boss and you just think, God, run Bridget, run. <laughs> <laughs> Not again. <laughs> The whole concept of the fight scene is one of the most beautifully choreographed fight scenes that has ever been on screen. And both, we haven't really talked about Colin Firth in this at all. He's brilliant as Darcy, but their fighting is both pathetic and brilliant. So it's genius and watching it again as I knew it was coming and I was like, oh yeah, this is gonna be good. And I was like, this is still really good. Hello, film fans. Welcome to Flix Watcher Podcast. Our guests today are Megan. Hello. Praveena. Hey. And Kobe. Hello. And we're here to talk about Bridget Jones's diary. Thank you, as always, to the mighty people for the mighty, mighty tunes. And thanks to Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. Please do remember to write a review and rate us on Apple Podcasts anywhere you can do where you listen to the podcast because it really does help us. And you can join in the conversation with us on Twitter at FlixWatcherPod and on Instagram at FlixWatcher. Hello everyone, welcome to Flix Watcher. Our guests today are Megan and Praveena. Over to you please, Praveena, to tell the listeners a little bit more about who you are and what you do, please. Hey, so I'm Praveena. I'm online editor and writer at The New Statesman, which means I do a mix of commissioning comments and opinion everywhere from Westminster to more frivolous lifestyle stuff. And then I write columns, usually to do with kind of millennial things that I chat with my mates about at the pub but then also feminism more kind of skeptical nuanced takes on stuff that's going on on the left and yeah I'm sometimes in the times and Sunday times but New Statesman is where I work. It'll be interesting to take your feministic take on this film which we'll get to in a second but oh, oh, Megan you've chosen it who are you and can you tell us what the film is and why you've chosen it? I'm Megan Agnew. I'm a journalist at the Sunday Times and I write about a mixture of things really. I write for the magazine and the paper and culture magazines about films and music as well as social affairs and crime and more sort of hard newsy stuff. So a mixture. And why did I choose this film? Well, it appeared on Netflix quite recently Around the same time-ish 
is it got trashed by the New York Times in a cruel takedown, yes, <laughs> saying that we all deserved better than Bridget Jones. And Pravina wrote a brilliant piece for the New Statesman about why they were wrong. So I will not attempt even to try and articulate that better than she can. So I just thought, now's the time. We need to have a link to that piece, Pravina, where we can, uh, we can share it with our listeners who want to read that. Yeah, definitely. Thanks, Megan. Check in the show notes, we'll link to that, we'll link to that article. And also it'll be interesting to see whether we agree with you in this, in this discussion. So, Megan. So it just sort of, I don't know, it came about again as in the way that a lot of movies do. It's been, what, 20 years somehow since it came out. 22 years. And so people were looking back at it to see whether it had it stood up to, to today's cultural landscape I suppose and I'm not gonna lie I did I read the book earlier in the year on a week's holiday from work and I read such trash in my weeks off because such awful things happen in the news every day at work and so I need to give my brain a bit of a rest and so I went and read Bridget Jones's diary for the first time and I'm not gonna lie I was pretty horrified by the weight stuff it's the fat stuff her thinking that she's fat and she weighs nine stone two or Mm. something I mean, in the movie, I know that she's slim, but in the book, seeing it in numbers was like even more horrifying. But there are also elements of it which are so relevant now and also really trendy, which is like the urban family thing of her friends being her family and her husbands and her wife and her kids and all of it, and them coming together for the most random, minute occasions like someone's done something a bit embarrassing at work and they all like go charging to cafe rouge to have three bottles of chardonnay and chain smoke and that is like really trendy at the moment in books and films i think and and has been since in tv shows which is that sort of like friends are enough to you know kind of message which can be a bit hackneyed but it's it's still pretty sweet the found family yeah this came out well let's go to you guys first before I give my high-level opinions on it. Helen, before we get to Pravina's, who's got a bit more insights, how many times have you seen this? Do you remember when it first came out? What were you doing when, when it first came out? So I haven't read the book, but I saw the film at the cinema and I haven't watched it recently, but I have seen it quite a lot of times and kind of, I think I mentioned to this to you, I kind of associated it with like a Christmas film because there's obviously like a couple of Christmassy kind of scenes in it and there's the New Year and the Christmas parties and the Christmas jumpers. And the snow. And the, the kind of like her being at home with the family. So it kind of feels like a watch at home with kind of your mom and early afternoon kind of tv watching sort of prime time i enjoyed the first film i haven't seen the others i don't know why i just didn't kind of fancy it so i think i noticed it had come on and i was like oh i've not seen that in a while and i was very much looking forward to watching it but like the first few minutes there's just quite a lot of stuff in there and i was like oh no this is just this is just not great like how am i going to be able to defend it and it kind of like evens off but yeah i mean we have some kind of not great references to Japanese people, which I'd completely forgotten about. And I was like, oh, 
Yeah, that's not great. Some very on PC jokes. Obviously, the weight stuff. Her mum calls a dumpling. The kind of being 32 and single is the worst thing in the world. Some casual sexual assault from like the, the uncle who's not an uncle. I was like, oh, this is all very far opening. And we'd not even kind of got past the credits. I was like, oh, this has got to get better. Also, I'm, I'm really not going to be able to defend it. And it kind of does in a way. And then as I was watching it, I was like, I love Bridget. I think she's great. She's got a few issues with like public speaking and it all comes out in the film. But I really love her and I really love her friends. And I really kind of love how brilliant everyone is in there. And I, I just feel that she is kind of a product of that time, but even more so a product of Helen Fielding growing up as a woman it, when she did like she's what like 65 now so during that time you know she had those same challenges as well so I, I just think it is still really really funny there are just loads of really hilarious moments in it that I love so there are some kind of things that are a bit like ish I don't know what a 16 year old girl would kind of think watching it now whether they the feel like yeah for the first time they would probably feel quite sad for Bridget and probably a bit shocked but like that's that kind of was the time and I just I kind of like feel for it you know she's through all the kind of like challenges she's always like got a positive outlook and tries to just get on with it so yeah rocky start but then I was like oh you know what I do really enjoy this film sorry Pravina give us maybe the, the high level gist of your article and your thoughts on Bridget Jones then and now yeah, basically, my article alluded to a lot of what you guys have mentioned, just that sense that obviously when you first read the book or see the film, it is like, whoa, like it really, it really spurs you around the face, the references to her weight and just, I don't know, like Daniel Cleaver, uh, her boss making jokes about her skirt being off sick and touching her bum in the lift and then that uncle does it too like she's just mm. you just think she's traumatized by this point about older men touching her bum but then i also kind of think the way she was just reflected a lot of the bizarre hang-ups that women of that time did and let's face it like we still do have you think whether it's like about a weight or whatever like i think in some ways she reflected the flaws that society had and actually maybe more so in the book you you see a lot of her like personal growth through it like realizing that actually like when she's skinny boys don't magically like her and I don't know I kind of I think you need heroines who for example go after the bad guy at first because otherwise there's not really like a redemptive arc to it like mm. there's not this sense of like growing and learning which is what you need from a book and, and also that's kind of what a lot of our mates do in real life. Like if you create this very pure character, you'd never be tempted by the cocky public schoolboy. Like that just doesn't feel true to life. So yeah, I kind of basically like my main feeling from the film actually is that I miss some aspects of that character. Like I feel like if you watch a lot of inverted commas chip flicks now, a lot of the heroines are kind of these cool, manic, dream, pixie, kooky girls. And the only, the troubles they have are probably a bit more like existential angst or things like that. And I miss these like theatrical mishaps that like Bridget Jones had with like the blue soup and then 
yeah, terrible public speaking in front of like Salman Rushdie and, and I don't know, like, I kind of think also, why is she any worse than a lot of women today you see in films go for men who are maybe more like emotionally abusive or a bit more tortured, but appear nice. And like, why is it so bad that she just went for the guy who was kind of a knob up front? I, yeah, I don't really see why she's so bad. I think for me, the it is very much of its time. And there's, I mean, I'm not going to re- go down on the same points you guys have made. Ultimately, we we are all on, on Bridget's side, which is the thing that I still think does endure even two decades later. There's a lot of things we probably wouldn't happen in the film now. I don't think, like I said, the weight side of things, I don't, we it probably wouldn't allude to that so much. But we're definitely on Bridget's side in this film. Everyone has or knows a parent is a bit, puts pressure on them in weird ways, whether it might be academic or relationship or whatever. So we can relate to that and we can relate to not feeling happy in a relationship, however that works. So, we, I mean, we're on her side. The things that date it the most are the smoking, like everywhere. I was just like, my God, just like inside everywhere. I know. And also in the post Me Too world, I was just like, Daniel Cleaver is just, you, you, there's no way Bridget and her team wouldn't report things like that. Well, like not no way, but I think it would be more apparent, especially in, in London, especially in the kind of, uh, in a publicity kind of field that she works in. I think those things will be called out rather than almost applauded in, as it were in this film. And the other bits I can kind of understand, uh, you know, the hates, the comments towards the Japanese wife, for example. But yeah, I think the post Me Too thing is the main thing that made me kind of like go, you can't, <laughs> you can't, you just can't do this. <laughs> there were some, there were some great moments of levity, like the blue soup. That was, I, I know, I forget about that. And it's hilarious. That whole dinner party, but until Cleaver turns up, was like a, a fast call fun piece. So I really enjoyed that. Sorry, Megan. I forgot that all of the colleagues knew about the affair and were fine with it, right? Mm. So at, at the end, when she gives her FU speech to Hugh Grant slash Daniel Cleaver slash they may be the same person, and the colleagues are like, yeah, go on bridge, go on bridge, say it. And I'd completely forgotten that they were all in on it as well, which was the most jarring thing because in a post Me Too landscape as well. Yeah. It's like, oh, all of you lot knew that they were off shagging in Hampshire for the weekend. They just didn't say anything. It was just so normalised. Yeah. Like all of the TV from around that time and kind of the, the kind of like British comedy culture was all around that kind of workplace sort of innuendo and shagging and sexual assaulters, commands and stuff which is her new boss at the TV company. He's exactly the same. They just don't end up having an affair, but it's just kind of, that's what the the comedy vibe was across different TV shows and films, which is kind of insane. But <laughs> yeah, it was like, oh, this is what comedy is. It's like, oh, great. Oh yeah, when she joins Sit Up Britain, he's like, and incidentally, no one here gets fired for shagging the boss. And you just think, God, run, Bridget, run. <laughs> Not again. But that lads mag culture was so real, wasn't it? Yeah, the TV, it was. That, that telly stuff, was. it sounds spot on. Yeah, I mean, I can, I can completely imagine that happening or someone saying that at some point. And Helen's just, Helen Fields just written it down and going, yeah verbatim duh, duh, duh. but i think some of the 
there was the, the points of like genuine liberty were in you know a lot of the trailers had the big pants that was that still kind of made me laugh in, in a way that maybe it shouldn't have done the blue soup Hugh Grant being a bit of an overarching tosser and falling into the lake and stuff like that there's there's still that kind of charm to it isn't there that I think that underpins a lot of this excuse me breaking my office there's still a bit of charm to it that underpins a lot of what goes on in, in the story and I think a lot of that comes from maybe from Richard Curtis as well, who did the sort of like bumbling, posh Britain take, right? That was sort of, he was, he did that really precise, wrote really precise posh characters. So like the mum who talks about like getting her colours done in the department store and all of the little cocktail sausages and like, he sort of did quite brilliant pictures of that, I think, in the 90s with, like, four weddings and this. Yeah. So I think you can hear him in that as well. I, I hadn't realised that him and, and Helen Fielding went out at university and oh, then ended up being best mates afterwards. Yeah, apparently he saw her in a pair of fishnets after she'd come off stage in a play and he walked up to her and said, I want to be your boyfriend. And she went, all right. <laughs> Which is kind of inappropriately Bridget, isn't it? A man forces himself upon you, you say fine. But I thought it was kind of funny. It explains a lot. <laughs> Part of the storyline I always forget, I think, maybe, well, I, I say always, I've maybe watched it three times, is the, the fact that Bridget's parents separate and that becomes like, and also, also on top of that, the, the number of divorces and people having sex with other people whilst they're in relationships just doesn't seem to be a problem as well. Which is kind of, I don't know, is that, is that weird in this day and age? I forgot that Mark and Natasha are sort of supposed to be... To, so what, So my memory of it was that they were just kind of law partners who hung out a weird amount because they're very invested in their work. But then you're like, well, you wouldn't quite be going on a weekend away together. And then you no. wouldn't, at your parents' engagement, parents wedding anniversary have a joke made about you being something else in law soon to one another yeah it's super weird that he just kind of professes his desire for Bridget like even he like the good guy who got cheated on whatever is like pressing a desire for Bridget whilst being with someone else yeah I've not read the book so I don't know how much of that is in there but like a lot of Richard Curtis's films are all based on like this romantic idea of someone kind of saying that oh I love you but they're actually married to someone else mm. and it it's like a reoccurring thing in his films where it's like this is actually not really that romantic and quite toxic and a, a little bit creepy and weird but it's in all of his films if you go back and watch them you're like Oh, but like that person's married to that person, but they're this is like meant to be the big romance. It's a little bit, a little bit weird. So I'm glad we've moved past that for our rom coms. I th I think we're kind of like moving away from that one. But yeah, I mean, I love Jim Broadbent in this as Bridget's dad. Like he's great when he's at the party and he's he's in his vicar outfit. Like him and Bridget, they're like a good team. <laughs> they are. And like when yeah, they're that's like, so together, good, aren't they? Yeah, it's like oh, it's really sad. And you know, she really in the end that the carrot man is is not the one for her and goes back to Bridget's dad. I was just looking up the because you were talking about Richard Curtis and I thought hold on she he didn't write this but it's obviously definitely of a Richard Curtis type so I checked out the, the director who was Sharon Maguire and I've she's had such a limited output since Bridget Jones. Bridget Jones 2001 then the next film was seven years later in Sendry 
eight years after that was Bridget Jones' Baby. And then she's had a decent run. She had like three films in the past three years after that. But for such a big hit, I was quite surprised that, well, maybe I'm not surprised, that it took a while for her to then get another chance and get out there again, which is a shame because ostensibly there's nothing wrong with the film, certainly at the time. So I don't see why she got maybe put into jail or not, not, not in jail like that. I mean, in director's prison. Don't know the comic timing. I think of a lot of the the jokes in this is brilliant. Like when she turns up in the bunny outfit and just bits like that. Are, yeah, they're just really funny and well done and clever. The blue suit. The whole meal is hilarious as well. Yeah, with the marmalade and the blue suit. <laughs> Guys, anything you want to say before we head to the scores? Well, I was going to say like the fight scene. So the, the soundtrack is great as well. Well, I mean it's sort of great in that it's of its time as well but the the fight scene is pure comedy pure brilliance pure hilarity and it slightly niggles me a little bit that it's jerry halliwell singing it's raining men but still (laughs) the whole concept of the fight scene is one of the most beautifully choreographed fight scenes that has ever been on screen and both we haven't really talked about colin firth in this at all he's brilliant as darcy but their fighting is both pathetic and brilliant. So it's genius. And watching it again, I, was, I knew it was coming. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is going to be good. And I was like, this is still really good. And they can't quite let themselves go, can they? And and that's why he's so good in, as Darcy in it as well, because he's so good at that, like, really restrained, like, sort of hoity-toity British man who can't possibly let go. And that that's why that fight seems so funny, because it's like they're kind of trying to be gentlemanly maybe to each (laughs) other but then also wanting to like beat the shit out of each other as well and then the friends watching and not being able to call it and it's it's just funny (laughs) it is weird to think in some ways it's two ex-Cambridge grads messing up a restaurant and just telling the people while they're in there like we'll pay for it as they like smash everything and it just gave me very Bullingdon club (laughs) vibes in some ways that's it that's what I was thinking yeah (laughs) but it is immensely satisfying also because I always think the funny thing about Colin Firth and Hugh Grant is I feel like they play themselves in this film apparently like with a few of the Hugh Grant lines he just improvised because it was so him to say a lot of these things and then Colin Firth by all accounts is this kind of I mean he's not a human rights lawyer but he has done a lot of sort of left-wing charity work causes and I just find that funny because I think they're almost playing themselves a little bit. Well there was the rumour wasn't there that Keir Starmer was or that yeah. Darcy was based on Keir Starmer and I was just reading an interview with Helen Field, a recent interview with Helen Fielding when when she was asked about it and she said that she'd never met Keir Starmer, but he really reminded her of him, of Darcy, and that Daniel Cleaver reminded him her of Boris. And that was sort of like how she thought about them both now, and she could see them like getting in that sort of fight with each other. No. Oh, God. Disturbing. Yeah. Have I ruined it for you now? Before we get to scores, one more point to pick up is. Renee Zellweger herself, it was picked up, I think it was quite a bit of a rumble in the news when she was cast, A, being an American. So thoughts on that generally, and also B, her accent. Guys, what, what were thoughts? 
I thought her accent was quite impressive in this. I remember at the time, like reading all that stuff about how she just ate crazy amounts to put on the weight she needed to for the film. And like, that's it's obviously a bit grim, but yeah, I did think it's quite rare when you think an American has nailed the British accent, but I thought it was good. And her acting just generally, like the thing where Cleaver messages her about her skirt being off sick and you can see the joy that overcomes her face, but then her trying to like look all like proper and like pretending to be almost miffed or offended. I don't know. I I just think she's brilliant. And I kind of wish I'd seen her in more films since. Yeah. But she got the Oscar recently, didn't she? Well, I say recently. It was probably like five years ago now for Judy, which I haven't seen. But this this is like my standout performance of her by a million miles. I think she's great. I think she just kind of brings that just sort of slightly hapless, but still just, yeah, the way she picks herself up for being kind of humiliated on multiple occasions is just brilliant. And yeah, her facial expressions are, are brilliant. And it is that kind of very specific English accent but she, she does a good job of it I, I like her I'm, I, I like Bridget and Rennie together she did I mean she, I was just looking at her filmography and Days to Confuse one of my favourite films I didn't realise she was in I've seen that film many times so I'm going to have to rewatch that and but yeah she had Jerry Maguire in 96 which I think brought her to the attention of most people but she's also in Empire Records and Reality Bites so she's kind of rumbling along for a while me myself and Irene that the Jim Carrey film. So, but then, yeah, it doesn't really... Judy was her last film, apparently. Judy was her last film. She was good in that. She was great in that. She was Oscar-worthy in that. <laughs> I think she got get in Bridget Jones that, like, super likeable. She's always likeable. I think everyone kind of wants to be friends with her. She's useless, but she's not so useless that she's irritating. And there's just, like, something quite good-natured in her, I think that's not boring and that really comes through in the book and I think that's really why people were charmed by the character then and sort of still remain charmed and Praveena was right about what she was saying at the beginning is that like today's heroines feel like quite self-conscious in trying not to be self-conscious and trying not to be a dick and and being quite hard on themselves but Bridget like genuinely feels like that. And, and I think Renee Zellweger did a really, really good job at that. Okay, let's head to the scores. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey... Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. I'm Sam Clements, host of the 90 Minutes or Less Film Festival, another podcast in the Stripped Media family, a podcast that celebrates movies under 90 minutes long. Each episode, I'm joined by a special guest who selects a movie to join our prestigious lineup. Past guests have included fellow Stripped Media family members Martin and Sam from Song by Song, and Kobe from Flixwatcher, and Dave from The Wire Stripped. Search for us now on the app you're currently listening to this podcast, or join us at 90minfilmfest.com. 
So welcome to the FlixWatcher scores. All of the scores are out of five. You can have decimal places if you wish. And we will start with you, please, Megan, with your recommendability. I'm going 4.5 on this, just because I think there are so many elements of it that wouldn't even get past the first edit now at all. <laughs> but it was so of its time and... It sort of moved things forward, I think. It moved things forward in the way that we talk about singletons and being in your 30s and not being married and how everyone Mm. who is married is kind of smug about it. And like said all of the things that people were thinking and feeling but didn't really want to say out loud because they didn't want to seem lame. So I think it's a big cultural moment and she's still shorthand. You could say to a Teen, I'm sure you could say to a 15-year-old today, who's Bridget Jones? Or that's a bit Bridget Jones, isn't it? And they'd say, yes, they'd recognise it. It's got like great brand visibility. So yeah, I'm giving 4.5. That was, there were some discussions, not just from her parents and her parents' friends, but from her age group as well. It's like, when you're getting married, when you're having kids, that really fucks me off when people say that to people. It's like, as a passing comment, maybe in private, it's like, hey, how's it going? how's it going with your life, whatever. But you don't just say it across you know, a dinner party and just declare that kids are the best thing in the world. If, if you haven't seen them for a year, that's not how you... It's, it's things like that. I mean, that's probably the main thing that got me like properly riled up. I was like, oh God, don't do that. Happens to women all the time still. <laughs> yeah. And I think the feeling that if you're single, your personal life is kind of up for grabs and people can ask you about it in the way that... And is there a moment in this film when she says, when was the last time you shagged your wife or something? Oh no, she says how many marriages end in divorce. What I was kind of gunning for her to say was, well, how, when was the last time you shagged your wife? Or when was the last time you shagged your mm. husband? Because people don't ask married people about their love life in the same yeah. way as they feel like they can with, with single people. Like it's sort of entertainment, like you've got to sing for your supper and serve them these horrific stories from the front lines of dating so they can laugh at it. <laughs> when actually... <laughs> Some of us are out there doing it on the battlefield. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's so true. Pravina, recommendability score. I would say 4.8 because while like ostensibly you think, oh, this is a film which only women get because, you know, the plight of the single 30-something women, I think like exactly like Megan said, it's just become so recognisable. Like people use the phrase smug married or like smug coupled up as a result of it. I'm pretty sure on Hinge or some dating app, I've seen a guy talking about him looking for his Bridget Jones, which, yeah, (laughs) I don't think (laughs) probably attracts people like me. But yeah, I think there's just a lot in it that's really enjoyable for men and women. Helen? Yeah, I'm going to give it 4.7. I think you probably do need to sort of say, you know, remember this is from 2001 the film and the book was obviously a few years earlier but I just think it's so endearing and we can kind of acknowledge those things now but it still makes for a great film and it kind of does show how far things have come but then in terms of like the kind of like the friendship things that's still the same and that's even stronger and it's just it's really really funny so yeah I'm a big fan of it still yeah, I'm going to go 4.5. I think it's it just, appe- oh, I don't know which guys it doesn't appeal to, but most guys have reluctantly watched it and gone and laughed at scenes and, and 
parts of the film. We're just looking at it back. I'm not, I'm me in particular in the post me too. We're looking at it back thinking those things aren't acceptable. And I'm never sure if saying it was acceptable in the past is a real get out of jail free card, but it was, and it's still, it's good. It's kind of a good testament of the times. And I will rewatch it again. I will watch it again. That's leaning into the next one. And it will still, I'd be quite interested to see if it uncovers any more kind of skeletons in the closets 10 years further down the line to see if we should or should not <laughs> agree with Bridget. That's a bit of a ramble there. Sorry. 4.5. Repeat viewing score. Megan. I am going to go 4.2. Repeat viewing score. It's a classic. I so know what Helen means by it feels like a Christmas movie. I really get that vibe from it as well. But I think it should be reserved for when the Bridget moment strikes. Pravina. I'm actually going to go a bit lower than other scores on 3.5 because even though while I'm once I'm finally watching it, I enjoy it, I find the concept of it quite depressing because it majors so heavily on the aspects we've discussed, like her weight and being single, blah, blah, blah. And like, even in like the first 10 minutes, the guy who she ends up with by the end of the film, like refers to her as a verbally incontinent spinster. Mm. And you just think like, <laughs> it's like everything that you don't want to think about the world, even though it, it turns out fine. So what was your repeat being score, sorry? 3.5. Helen. I'm going to give it a four. This film is 97 minutes long. What happened to the 90-minute rom-com? Why do they have to be two hours and 20 minutes? They do not need to be that long. This is like a perfect length. I will watch this repeatedly. <laughs> we recorded Bridesmaids quite recently. And that was And it's complicated. And there was that not great Aston Kutcher one that was two hours plus. It's like these rom-coms, like they don't need to be that long bring back the 97 minute rom-com it's perfect so you get four marks for having a rom-com that is this short and easy to watch i'm gonna go for 3.2 here last time i saw it was over christmas with the parents-in-law and like i said i think it's one of the things that will just crop up naturally in tv viewing times so i may not seek to watch it but i'll be very surprised if i don't watch it a few more times you know in the coming years and I don't think I'll ever say no to the option to watch it as well. So 3.2. Well, I just want a quick question here. Who of you guys have seen Edge of Reason or Bridget Jones' Baby? Because I haven't seen any of those and I don't really have any interest in doing so. But how do they fare at a super high level? I saw them a few years ago, I think. I just remember Bridget Jones' Baby was pretty good, but Edge of Reason, whilst the book's better than the first one, I thought the film was was not as good as the first one apart from her magic mushrooms trip that's kind of funny <laughs> you seen a megan and isn't there a scene in when they fight in a fountain and there's like oh, the yeah. spoof of the darcy scene coming out of the lake with his like wet white shirt which is kind of funny that's the only bit Maybe that says something about me that I remember from the second <laughs> movie. And you're not seeing the third one. And the magic mushrooms. But yeah, it was fine. I mean, I have, I think I might have seen it once a long time ago. And I think I saw Bridget Jones's baby in the cinema with my mum. And I remember finding it mortifying. Like, just, <laughs> you know, when a film tries really hard to be of that moment and of that year. And yeah, she went spinning and she went to a festival. And it was just quite cringy and I couldn't do it. And I won't be watching that one again. I'm sorry, Helen Fielding. <laughs> so, yes, yeah, small screen score. Megan. 
I'm going to go for a four on the small screen because I don't think it really matters that much with this. Yeah, four. Megan, that's our Pravina. Yeah, I think 4.5 because, yeah, again, like it almost works better on the small screen because it's quite cosy in your PJs, sort of, if not Christmas, it's definitely cold outside film. Yeah. 4.5. Helen? Yeah, so, I mean, it is kind of fun seeing comedy films at the cinema because you can have that shared laughing moment. But I, I think this is like one of those perfect repeat viewing watch at home films. So I'm, I'm going to give it a five. And it's just come on Netflix. So maybe if you've not seen it since 2001 and you want to jump <laughs> back in, it's there. Yeah, I'm going to go for five as well. I can't imagine ever going to see it at the cinema. Maybe Prince Charles as part of a rom-com thing, but I don't think I'm missing out much. Although I do remember clearly when this came out and I was at university at the time, my then off and on girlfriend, now wife, went with a bunch of her friends to watch it, which was kind of odd because she didn't really go to the films that much, but I remember it being like a huge event day. So it maybe does have a, a cinematic collective viewing thing, which I maybe I should watch, maybe I should experience. Engagement score, Megan. I'm going to say 4.7 on this, actually, which is quite high but i want to see it through i want to spend more time with bridge because we love bridge and her mates (laughs) chowder and jude and what's the guy what's the guy called i can't remember but i just think the friends are just brilliant and they completely get that like really over the top responses to completely everyday issues like vile richard and horrible exes and I think they're brilliant so yeah 4.8 and as Helen said it's short so you can whip the end of it pretty quick just going back to the friends bit because they the friends are introduced in kind of interesting ways but then we don't get much I know it's obviously Bridget's story but we don't get any character development on like Shirley Henson's boyfriend scenario or the guy who's you know who's had a one hit wonder and now is living off that we don't hear anything more from their side of the story which I, I don't know in a, I think in a modern film, you probably flesh that side out a bit to give them a bit more weight. Again, that might just be me. Pravina, engagement score. So I went for a five because I felt very, like even re-watching it, I felt very invested in what happened to her. And I did, I did cry at the, at the bit at the end. And then a little bit of the when he talks about liking her just as she is. <laughs> which is, yeah, very, very cringe for various reasons. But but I guess that's also, I wonder if that's conditional on knowing that Darcy turns out to be the good guy and, and knowing that the story was flipped by Cleaver and that like he w- didn't, he didn't cheat. He didn't get with Cleaver's fiance. It was the other way around because otherwise I think, oh God, both of these guys are pretty ropey. <laughs> like there's not much hope for you, Bridget, and just turn it off. Well, that's what Bridget thought, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. So, but, so I don't know. Yeah. I don't know whether that's just because I know that, you know, like almost since the start, you know, the story that like Darcy's the good guy because of Pride and Prejudice and whatever. But Isn't that just audacious though, saying for Hugh Grant's character, Cleaver to say, yeah, we're split up because, you know, he cheated on me. You kind of think that's... It's wild. 
so many people must know that. Yeah. So what are you doing? <laughs> well, this time watching it, because obviously I've seen it a few times before and I knew this was coming, you can see him make up the story in his face. He sort like, of pauses and... Yeah, yeah. And his eyes kind of look to the side and he's like, she's not going to find out. I'm going to do this. This is going to work out in my favour. And I hadn't noticed that kind of before. Probably have not been paying much attention, which is probably going to come to my engagement score in a minute. But yeah, I was like, oh yeah, you can see him working it all out and plotting this. That's how desperate for a shaggy is and kind of how manipulative he, he is. And it's like, oh... Yeah. It's his entitlement. It's that as well in the scene when Bridget comes home and his naked American silly bridge colleague is in the Lara is in the bathroom. And the way that he's sort of like just like mooching around his house as if nothing is happening. And I kind of like hearing you say that just now, Helen, and thinking about that, it got a touch of the Boris about it. That thing of like, I will never get in trouble. And if I do, I'll be fine. And it's it's deeply annoying and it, it's really disturbing to see on screen. Yeah, and, and he, that dismissiveness when he talks about, he's like, oh, I'm thrilled that little Kurdish bloke was set free or like, I don't give an F about Chechnya. Bridget, like that just intense disdain for others. And into which kind of takes him beyond just being kind of a bit of a dodgy, slightly lecherous guy. It's... Yeah. Yeah. And then when he says like me and you we're we're made for each other and she's like oh mm. no. Mm. <laughs> and you're like yes. <laughs> that's what I mean one of the things I'm saying where we are on Bridget's side and when she does say that that's not good enough for me. That won't do for me. I was like get in. So, yeah, Helen, engagement score. You know, I, I was going to give it four, but I'm actually going to bump it up for the reason that if you can kind of like have it on in the background, but then if you are like fully, fully invested, then you pick up on little things like that, which I think is just a testament to like brilliant casting and directing and acting from everyone. That just kind of those little subtle moments that happen and you're like, ah, ah. very well done, everyone, for making this excellent <laughs> film. <laughs> so was it four? 4.5. I bumped 5. it up. Nice. But I'm going to go for four. I think because I watched it, I watched it like three times and once every, on average, like seven years, I forget what happens. And I think that's a nice kind of cadence for me. So I, I'm engaged because I can't remember quite what happens in the story. Apart from I know she gets together with Darcy at the end, but I've, I've forgotten about the story that Cleaver told to wangle his way into her pants to try and use a phrase that's not that offensive, but still is. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> but yes, so four, yeah, four. That gives us an overall score of 4.38125. Stella. Yeah, Stella. really good. Huge. Nice repeat, one, Bridget. Repeat viewing <laughs> score, which lets it down slightly, but that's still a strong score. Okay, so guys, do follow us online. We are at FlixWatcherPod on Twitter, as we're all going to keep calling it. Do follow us online because we're at FlixWatcherPod on Twitter and uh, look out for tweets saying something similar to this. We're reviewing Bridget Jones with at Megan Agnew and at Pravina underscore R. Have you seen it? Tell us your thoughts and the score out of five stars from on-air shout-out on this very podcast. So we had one response. Megan, do you have that response? So at Erin Hayward, 98, says it's a five-star 
Product of its time, but it holds a special place in my heart. Fun and silly in equal measure, it deserves five stars for the soundtrack alone. Fantastic. There you go, mega fan, Bridget, mega fan. Yeah. So Megan and Pravina, can you sign up telling us where we can find you online and your writing? And we'll say goodbye to the listeners. You can find me on the Times and Sunday Times and on Twitter at Megan Agnew. Hey, you can find me in the New Statesman and then sometimes in the Times. And on Twitter, I'm Pravina underscore R and then on Instagram, Pravina Rudra, all one word. Awesome. Thank you so much, guys. It's been a pleasure to rewatch Bridget Jones' diary for this episode. And I hope you guys have enjoyed listening to us talking about it and dissecting it. And do go to the link to read Praveen's article on the very same film. Okay. Thanks so much for coming on. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much. Enjoyed this episode of Flix Watcher Podcast? Why not leave us a five-star review on iTunes? You can also follow us at FlixWatcherPod on Twitter and we're at FlixWatcher on Instagram. Thanks as always to the mighty people for their mighty, mighty tunes and Rockwood Audio's editing skills. If you're looking to get your podcast edited as sweet as this, get in touch with Rockwood, R-O-K-K Wood Audio. Tell them FlixWatcher sent you. You just heard a stripped media production.